0: Hi, I'm Steve Shepard, and I'm a storyteller. Welcome to The Natural Curiosity Project, the home of stories worth telling. So far, there are more than 200 episodes in this series. Each is different, but two things tie them together. First, each one is about a topic that deserves your attention and curiosity. Second, they're free for the taking, meaning I hope you'll listen to the stories and then tell them to other people. Why? Because good stories are the birthplace of curiosity. And curiosity leads to discovery, which in turn leads to insight, which ultimately leads to understanding. And understanding is what creates the fabric of community, which is always built on a foundation of good storytelling. So as I said, welcome. I'm glad you dropped by. And with that, I'd like to tell you a story. Hi, Steve here for the Natural Curiosity Project. I had a conversation with a well-informed friend the other day about artificial intelligence, AI, and its ability to truly think. His contention was that AI is reaching a point of radical change, a tipping point, that will cause AI to be close to sentient. His question, in fact, was this. I believe that AI development is approaching a point of radical change that can change everything in a second. Just because I don't know how I sit or stand or walk doesn't mean a robot can't learn to do those things too. I have no way to predict the future, but I do feel that AI is at a critical tipping point, and we will see super major changes in the next 10 years. What are your thoughts? Well, I gave a lot of thought to the question, and here's what I came up with about the humanness of AI. And by the way, I'm sharing this as a podcast because many of you have asked me to do more in the way of insights around some of these hot new technologies that are popping up in the news lately, one of them being AI, not to mention robotics. So here are my thoughts, and they come from my work with AI and robotics people at all kinds of places like MIT and Stanford and Berkeley over the last few years. First, I do believe that AI has reached a place where it is positioned to have a significant impact on human society, and not all of it necessarily good. We've all seen the recent announcements from companies like Amazon about the degree to which their robotic devices can replace some of the tasks done by people. Some of the tasks. The issue is that because of the immense processing capability that can be harnessed by an AI instance, thanks to things like Google's immense virtual data center that spans the globe, a specific task can be done frighteningly well and frighteningly fast by an instance of artificial intelligence. For example, generating a fake video of President Obama saying racist things, or worse, using AI to analyze huge numbers of images, and then based on the results, which derive from the algorithmic rule set that's programmed into the AI, concluding that the only likely suspect in the crime is the black guy, because he's a black guy. If you follow the tech news, you know that this very thing actually happened. To make that assumption, sets a very wrong and a very dangerous precedent. The analytical engine that fed data to the AI should have taken into account with equal weight, demographics, history, the presence of systemic bias, geography, the potential presence of human bias among those who programmed the code for the AI analytics, economics, and so on. But the programmers don't consider this when they unleash the AI, right? They didn't do that, which they should have before they handed it off to law enforcement. And this is the real issue, and it's substantiated by almost all the legitimate researchers. An AI can't learn, but it can be taught. And therein lies the difference with humans, which is why I have a problem personally with the term artificial intelligence. It isn't intelligence, because intelligence implies the ability to learn autonomously. You've heard me refer in other episodes to something called Polanyi's Paradox, which says we know more than we can tell. When I teach this stuff, I often ask someone in the audience, how did you get out of bed this morning? They usually chuckle and say something like, well, I sat up, at which point I stop them and ask them how they sat up. You can see where this is going. We have no idea how an idea formed in the brain that said it was time to get up followed by a series of electrical triggers that expanded this, contracted that, invoked some kind of actin-myosin interaction in the muscles, pitted this ligament against that tendon, ultimately leading to bending our torso at the waist, the first step in getting out of bed. The point is, we have no idea how we get out of bed in the morning, or walk, or drive safely to the office, or type on our iPhones. We just do it. So how can we possibly teach a machine to do things that we don't really know how to do. One of the remarkable things about human physiology and other sentient creatures, I should add, is that we have the benefit of sight, smell, hearing, touch, and taste, our senses. And there's evidence that there are other senses that we don't fully understand. The brain combines the input from all of those to trigger differences in motor movement. For example, If we're out for a walk in the field and we come across a decaying animal carcass, it's not our sense of sight that causes us to react and take a different path. It's the disgusting smell and taste of the putrescine and cadaverine coming off the carcass that triggers the fight-or-flight response that makes us back up or make a wide berth around the source of the smell. And I can make similar arguments about sight and sound. But an AI instance, whether coupled to a robot or not, doesn't have that option. It's sort of a black box programming problem. We know the output we're seeking when it comes out of the box, but our ability to reverse engineer the outcome to create a process that results in it is severely limited without the ability to take advantage of diverse multiple sensory inputs. Now, there's a difference between autonomous learning and being taught. We often say that our four years of university are designed to teach us how to learn the famous learning-to-learn challenge. They provide us with a framework for autonomous knowledge assimilation. We listen to professors, we study, we analyze, we smell things in chem labs, we watch physics experiments, we go to study groups, we watch videos, we watch often subliminally the interaction of others. All those activities combined in some not well-understood way facilitate our ability to learn. Learning is defined as becoming aware of something by information or from observation. But we have to be careful here. The definition says that information helps us learn. But information is different from data, which is what's typically fed into an AI, with the hope that it will somehow convert the data into information. But this conversion process is where Polanyi kicks in. How we, as sentient thinking creatures, process data To convert it to information, which in turn guides everything we do to survive and thrive, is not very well understood. This is the black box problem I was talking about. It's the combination of information generation and observation because of our multifaceted sensory network and our ability to process the inputs from that network where AI falls short. So, Do I believe that AI is a powerful technological change agent? Absolutely. I've been in the tech world most of my career. Why would I think otherwise? Do I believe it's sentient and aware? Not at all. Or perhaps better said, it's as aware of a specific environmental trigger as we give it the ability to be sensitive to, just like an IoT sensor. Can I teach an AI to play the Japanese game of Go so well that it beats the world champion? Sure can. But it can't play checkers or chess, and it can't identify a robin singing outside the window while it's playing, and it can't see the board or smell the fear of loss coming off its opponent, as human go-players can. Now, just one final thought before I wrap this up. In 1950, the very first conference on machine intelligence was held at Dartmouth University and attended by all kinds of amazing people, including such luminaries as Marvin Minsky, considered to be the father of robotics and artificial intelligence, and Claude Shannon, who did some of the early work on things like information theory. Journalists asked the attendees how long it would be before AI-driven robots would behave like people, and they said with great confidence, 20 years. Well, a few weeks ago, I was talking to a group of people who work on this particular tech family, and I asked them the same question. They said, about 20 years guess we're not moving as fast as i thought we were hey thanks for dropping by i'm steve shepherd the host of the natural curiosity project where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery discovery leads to knowledge knowledge leads to insight and insight leads to understanding in every episode we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you i hope you enjoy the journey and if you did I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode.